Welcome to episode 145 of The Climate Champions. Check out past episodes on theclimatechampions.com. I'm Lee Crevat, host of The Climate Champions. If you or someone you know is a climate champion, please let me know at crevatenergyinnovations.com. This week, my featured guest is Jesse Sharfaris, founder and CEO at RestoreVault, revolutionizing virtual cloud storage by leveraging their patented inactive data virtualization technology. They are committed to providing customers with a cutting edge solution that reduces server and backup storage by an impressive 80%, eliminating the cost and risk associated with multiple copies of inactive data and reducing significant carbon emissions associated with data storage energy use, cooling, shipping, manufacturing, and mining. This podcast is being brought to you, in part, by the Department of Energy's Advanced Grid Research Group, whose purpose is to accelerate innovation in electric transmission and distribution technologies and create next-generation devices, software, and tools to help modernize the electric grid. The Climate Champions is also sponsored by the Gridwise Alliance, uniting grid modernization experts from across the electricity industry the Gridwise Alliance promotes grid innovation for a decarbonized economy. To learn more, visit gridwise.org. Jesse has over 30 years in the computer data storage industry working for EMC and Network Appliance. He founded Restoreware in 2004 to build business continuity infrastructures for Fortune 100 companies, and in 2017 founded RestoreVault, to reduce the cost, risk, and GHG emissions associated with the exponential growth of storage. Welcome to the Climate Champions. I'm Lee Krivat, and I'm here with Jesse Sharfaris, founder and CEO at Restore Vault. Jesse, welcome to the Climate Champions. Thank you, Lee. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Now, I don't want it to be a secret from anybody that you are a great friend of mine. I've been involved with the company for a while, and I've always hoped to have you on the show. I'm glad I finally do. Welcome. Thanks, Lee. Thanks, Lee. And I consider you a great friend as well. And it's a pleasure to be here on your podcast. Jesse, when it comes to climate change, what was your motivating moment? What got you started down the road to caring about fighting about this? First off, being in the computer storage industry for the last 30 years, I know that storage is something that takes up a lot of space in data centers. I mean, I was selling storage for both EMC and NetApp for a long time. And every time I sold storage, I was selling more storage than the user actually needed because I always had two copies of this storage somewhere. And what actually hit me was when one of the customers that I deal with actually said, hey, we've got a lot of your storage, but most of the data isn't actually being used. Can you help us with that? You know, we don't want to continue to keep buying all this storage. And I looked at a couple of solutions and thought I came up with one, but in the end, it wasn't a viable solution at the time. And one of the things that drove me to that solution was the fact that they were spending so much money, not only on the storage, but on the power on the data center, air conditioning, and everything else that goes along with putting that storage into play. I saw it as unsustainable. I mean, from a standpoint of both power 
and from a storage perspective, what the customer was actually paying for. And so I was looking at it from a standpoint of how can we continue to do this, just keep proliferating this storage when most of the data hasn't actually been utilized. So I looked at it from a sustainability standpoint. When was the first time you remember thinking to yourself, I really want to help with the climate change issue? Lee, I've, been, I've known you for a long, long time, and, and you came out of the energy sector. You were the first one to introduce me to solar energy, and we started talking about that. And I've actually approached you a couple of times about ideas I had about creating energy, renewable energy, either wind or augmenting wind and solar and things like that. And when I started Restore Vault, I never looked at the consumption part of the energy spectrum, right? I was always looking at the creation of it, the actual production of energy. After thinking about what Restore Vault does with the consumption actually reducing storage by 80%, I looked at it and said, well, that's kind of also a sustainability factor that I could help with. From both the energy production and energy consumption. I've had ideas about that ever since I've been working with you and and talking to you because you came out of that energy spectrum. It's interesting because depending on how you began looking at the issue, it's easy to get caught up in how do I make generation have less emissions or how do I have usage make less emissions? But really, we have to attack it at all angles, and it's exciting that you're now looking at it in both ways. I think so. And having you as one of our advisors at RestoreVault actually expanded our knowledge as far as how we can address the problem. Because I didn't really, really look at it from a consumption standpoint. I always looked at it from a production standpoint. And so, you know, that's something that we can help reduce that consumption tremendously. Can you talk about your personal drivers? Why is this issue so important to you? I have two daughters. And, you know, when they were born, I was looking out at the world and I didn't really concern myself with energy or sustainability and renewable energy. But every time you look at the news today, there's a new temperature record being set around the world. The world is overheating. My daughters are both in their 20s and I want them to be able to live in this world as long as I have, if not longer. And I want to be able to enjoy this this world with them. You know, from a personal standpoint, it's for my kids and for all the kids that are out there in the world. I really think that the fact that we're not doing something quick enough is, you know, from a government perspective, is actually something where I can actually affect something with consumption in the commercial area. When you meet people that don't understand the climate change issue or understand the data, how do you convince them otherwise? I'm not really a climate change activist, so I can't really say that I'm trying to convince other people, but I do actually talk to them about the changes in the world, especially the temperature, the loss of usable land, the fact that even with solar, we're still using fossil fuels and and other things like that. I try to reduce my own fossil fuel consumption as much as possible. Also, from a standpoint of of sustainability with RestoreVault, I try to make sure that they understand that, hey, the wasted storage that you're using is wasting power as well. It's wasting more than just the money that you're spending to buy it. It's wasting the power that you need to run it, the power to cool it, and the power to distribute it across your enterprise. And mining the materials, producing it, all of that doesn't have to be done. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
What's interesting is that, you know, when I was selling storage, you were always looking for the impending event of running out because you knew you were going to sell a bunch of storage to that customer. From a standpoint now, I look at it as people today, when they buy storage, they're never buying storage for new data. They're actually buying storage for old data because they have to move as soon as they buy new storage, they're moving old data to that storage, taking up over 50% of the capacity of the storage for old data they're not even using. And so from a standpoint of sustainability, that just doesn't make any sense. I look at it from a standpoint of you should be only buying the storage that you need for new data. And with Restore Vault, that's how we basically help our customers. So you mentioned how you help your customers at Restore Vault. So let's get into it in some more detail. Can you talk about what you and your company do to help mitigate climate change? When I founded Restore Vault, I was actually looking for another storage product to sell to add to a line card of a reseller company that I'd started in 2004. That reseller company was selling network appliance storage, and I was doing quite well. The storage market was booming, and I was building what I call business continuity infrastructures that essentially replicated data between sites so that it could reduce the disaster recovery downtimes for those companies. The great thing for for Restoreware at the time, that was the company that I started, was that whenever the customer wanted to upgrade, they would upgrade to twice as much and twice as much, possibly three times as much, which from a sales perspective is great, great news, right? But from a sustainability perspective, it wasn't, wasn't all that great. So what I was introduced to when I was looking around for another product was this new technology that I saw could actually reduce the amount of storage that was needed in the enterprise. Not reduce the amount of data, but reduce the amount of storage that was required. So essentially what what our company does is we virtualize the data. After storing your data, verified copies within the cloud, we can virtualize your primary storage which essentially shrinks down the amount of data that you have on your backup storage and your DR storage. So three times three times that amount of inactive data is actually being reduced when you store data within RestoreVault. And so we can reduce by 80%, typically, in fact, in most cases, above 80% of the amount of data that you need to store on your primary backup and DR storage. You talked a little bit about your prior background at NetApp. Can you go further back? How did you get to where you are today? Well, I was an IT director at a small company and I wanted to move into more of a sales position. And so I joined the largest storage company at the time, which was EMC back in the mid nineties. And I worked for them as a systems engineer for like four years and then joined NetApp in 1999 as a sales rep. And I worked for them for another five years and then left them and started a reseller company called Restoreware that resold NetApp building out business continuity infrastructures. In 2017, I started RestoreVault. And the reason why I started RestoreVault was I saw that replicating data and backing up data, especially data that hasn't been accessed in over a year, was unsustainable, both from a sales perspective, but also from a customer perspective, from a management and also just cost perspective, the cost of buying the equipment, the cost of maintaining the equipment, the cost of powering the equipment and putting it into data centers. I just saw that it was unsustainable. And 
With Restore Vault, we were able to reduce that with data virtualization. And our data virtualization is something that we just recently patented. We actually have two new patents for our cloud storage that will allow us to not only reduce the amount of storage that you need in your data centers, in your on-prem data centers, but we can actually put this data virtually that we store virtually into any cloud on either Azure, AWS, or any other cloud server with a fraction of the storage required for that access. Jesse, can you talk about a setback you've had along the way? Yes. I mean, from a standpoint of what we've done when we started Restore Vault, I actually was looking at Restore Vault to solve some of these problems for some of the smaller companies out there. Dental offices that had high value data requirements, but didn't necessarily want to spend a lot of money for backup and things like that. But as it turns out, dental offices are hard to sell to because the dentist understands dentistry. But their IT is typically managed by somebody that is only doing this as a small business, right? They're outsourcing that. And so we had to pivot back in 2019 to move to state and local governments. And when we pivoted to state and local governments, we actually signed up with resellers that were selling solutions for compliance data. When we did that, it actually allowed us to sell into these state and local governments very easily, but we were not the lead product for these resellers. We were literally the add-on. Hey, if you need compliance and trusted storage, you can buy it very cheaply from Restore Vault. We've been very successful doing that, but unfortunately, it hasn't been able to scale the company as quickly. And so now we've actually turned our attention to the IT environment where we can actually affect a much higher cost reduction in their storage platforms, but also a much better sustainability reduction in the power consumption in their data centers and in the cloud infrastructures that they would be actually buying. I know you're proud of the patents that you've received recently. Is that the biggest success in your mind that you've done in your career or is there a bigger success you've had? The patents are something that I feel proud about. I'm actually surprised. I had a friend, a patent attorney, he's actually part of our RestoreVille LLC, and broached this idea to him back in 2015. And so he said, yeah, sure, you can file a patent. He happens to be a patent attorney for Qualcomm. So he was a good friend of mine and, and said, yeah, we could do a patent. It's a utility patent, how you use something a certain way. And so I came up with this idea and ran it by him. And I thought, wow, this is, it's making its way through. We actually were rejected like three times before we actually got the patent. The proudest thing that I did was we actually had an interview with the patent investigator and we had a demo of what our patent was able to do using AWS servers. And we actually showed it to the patent investigator. And the thing that came, came away from it was he said, this is neat. I've never seen anything like this before. And it, it made us feel like, wow, I mean, this is, we could actually get a patent out of this. And two months later, he, he approved our patent. I think the proudest part wasn't actually getting the patent. It was actually showing a patent investigator that had already rejected us like two or three times. Like, oh, yeah, somebody else can do this. These other people can do this. And him actually stating to us that, I've never seen this before. This is really cool stuff. And it was like, he's responsible for looking at stuff and seeing stuff all the time. So that was probably the proudest moment, you know, not necessarily getting the patent at the end, which also made me proud. But the fact that the patent investigator came away from it and, and was very impressed just looking at what we had done. 
that was the highlight of the patent process. <laughs> That's awesome. Jesse, when you look at the earth 10, 20, 30 years from now, what do you think is going to happen with regards to climate change? First off, yesterday I was looking at something where in 2050, it was a map that was showing all the places within the U.S. that are going to be underwater, that are actually going to be below sea level because of the sea level rise that's happening today, because of the melting ice caps and because of climate change. I actually come from an island called Guam. Guam is an island situated out in the South Pacific next to the deepest part of the ocean called the Marianas Trench. I'm sure everybody has been intrigued with the Titanic submarine that that actually imploded. And that was like three miles down. The Marianas Trench is like seven and a half miles deep. So, you know, much deeper. So in 10 to 20, 30 years, I'm just hoping that the island of Guam is not going to be submerged underneath that rising water. But at the same time, Lee and I, I think I talked to you about this. I think there's going to be technology that's going to actually going to save us. You know, yes, we are still using fossil fuels, but I think that solar is going to be something that's going to be able to help from a standpoint of of new technologies. I think that ocean generated power, you know, with waves is going to be something that's going to have to be looked at as well. 70% of the the earth is covered by water and it's probably going to be closer to 75%, you know, with all the melting ice caps and everything else. And I think that uh, we have to take advantage of that. We have to look at the water as being our savior to help us reduce fossil fuel consumption. Do you think the pandemic had an impact on climate change? It's kind of hard to look at the pandemic as having a positive impact with all the deaths that happened in the world. From a standpoint of did COVID affect climate change, I think it affected it positively, both during COVID because of the reduction in vehicle emissions, but also after COVID with the fact that a lot of people, because they worked from home, they started adding solar to their homes, you know, because they're utilizing much more power. So I think both the rollout of more solar and the reductions in emissions, you saw a little bit of a downtick in some of the climate change. So we, we gave ourselves a little bit of a reprieve, but I don't think it was enough. What advice do you have for people that want to help mitigate climate change? I think they should look at, if they possibly can, rolling out solar on their residence if they have the ability to do that. More efficient cars, either electric vehicles, if they can afford it and they can find a place to charge it, or you know, hybrid vehicles would be something that they should look into. From a standpoint of what people can afford, that's really what it comes down to. You know, What can they afford to, to do for their own personal, both generation and consumption? I think they should try to look at reducing it somehow. With regards to EVs and solar, both things that you talked about, one could make the argument that in the long run, they will really save you money. And the issue is just upfront, being able to afford those things or having a place to charge or put the solar. Yeah. There are people that live in multifamily units that park into a garage and don't have access to solar. And then there are people that can't afford solar. From my perspective, this is something that has to be driven both by industry and by the government. It can't just be an individual driving this. It has to be something that the government has to drive. The fact that they've rolled out the rebates back for electric vehicles, that they're putting rebates out there for adding solar and helping pay for solar for people that can't afford it, and that's coming from the government. I think at the end of the day, that's going to help everybody to help reduce the climate change that's happening today. I like to say we need all arrows in the quiver. We need people, we need governments, we need companies. 
And we need all the countries. We can't just have just like the U.S., for example. Yeah, I agree. It has to be something that's a coordinated effort. And at the end of the day, it's something that um, it should be driven by someplace like the U.N. versus versus a, a single government actually doing this. Do you have any questions for me? Yeah, Lee. How's your improv going? <laughs> I'm going to answer that and I'm going to leave it in the podcast. <laughs> So I moved. I moved a little over a year ago from San Diego, where I was on seven improvisational comedy teams. Three or four were musical and three or four were not. It was awesome. It took me a long time to build that up. And I moved here and I was on no improv teams, but now I am performing at two different clubs. It's super exciting. I love the people I'm meeting. So I'm back in the game. I'm back in the improv game. Well, I'm, I'm really proud about that because I, I know I enjoyed the shows I went to where you were on improv in San Diego. And I missed those shows and I'm hoping to visit you later on this year and maybe I'll be able to go to one of your shows up in, up in Washington. Absolutely. And I'll be back visiting San Diego and I will be doing shows. So maybe you can catch me there too. Yep. That sounds perfect. That sounds perfect. I'm looking forward to that. Me too. Hey, Jesse, is there anything else you want to say? What Lee said at the beginning was, we've known each other for a long, long time. I actually was with Network Appliance at the time when I first met Lee. I moved on from NetApp, but what I did maintain out of that was a relationship with Lee. And I really appreciate that he's been a good friend of mine since like the early 2000s. Lee, you were one of the first people I actually approached for Restore Vault. You believed in it. And I think that now... You even believe in it more because of the fact that it does help with sustainability. And I think that's a great thing. Jesse, I absolutely believe in it. But the reason I supported your company is because I believed in you and I believe in you. And on that note, I'm going to wrap this up and I'm going to wrap it up with a wrap when it comes to storage and emissions, I have to give you a hand. You wanted to help on generation, but you ended up helping with demand. You think we need to make progress. We have to do it with haste. And there's so much data storage. Most of it is waste. Customers tend to get into a storage trap. You wanted a new technology that was better than NetApp. You wanted to help <laughs> customers and make them happy. And that's why you went into sales at EMC. When I asked you what was your proudest score, you talked about your patent and how the investigator had never seen it before. You believe that new technologies we will have in our palm. Your belief in tech, it keeps you calm. And that's why you believe we'll save everyone, even islands like Guam. You can reuse data storage emissions by 80%. Let's make a fuss. I'm so glad you got on the climate change bus. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jesse Charferus. <laughs> that was good. I was excited to hear Jesse's story about Restorefault's patents. Amazing that after being rejected multiple times, he stuck with it met face-to-face -face with the investigator, and completely turned the patent specialist's opinion around. A great lesson in perseverance. If you have comments or questions about the podcast, 
visit my website at crevatenergyinnovations.com and drop me an email. I would love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying the Climate Champions podcast series, please subscribe. Rate it five stars if you're an Apple user and tell your climate-concerned friends about it. And check out my new YouTube channel. Just search for The Climate Champions and Lee Crevat. Jesse often brainstormed ideas to produce clean energy, even though his innovation has the potential already to eliminate 80% of the emissions associated with data storage. He was generation-focused. The realization of the power of reducing data storage waste to help the world has inspired his passion and drive to help mitigate climate change.